1: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money.
2: We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner
1: and investment advisor with over 19 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
2: And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, also a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years with planning.
1: Great, yeah, and we also have uh, Gordon Leppard here in the in the uh, studio with us again today, yeah. and uh, Gordon's a advisor in office. Welcome, Gordon.
3: Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here.
1: And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m.
2: You can also go to our website, moneynd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can uh, click it, and you can uh, stream us. Also catch us on 1230 a.m., and we also have a new... Uh, pretty cool website for our podcast. So if you miss a yeah. uh, particular Saturday morning, you can go to moneymd.podbean.com. dot podbean. That's p o d b e a n. dot com. So moneymd.podbean.com. and our all of our uh, uh, shows, shows are there for two thousand fourteen. Are there sitting there? Yeah, so you can actually organize them, you can sort them by retirement planning or budgeting or whatever. So it's it's a pretty neat way to listen to us as well. Yeah, fun. that's a great resource
1: for listening to past shows and um and you can also download the TuneIn Radio app um on your smartphone and there is another app too if you go to uh I Talk US website. Mhm. Um, and you can, you know, listen to us over the internet listen to us on your smartphone. Um, I think that's a great way to listen. You can be working around the house doing your Saturday chores or whatever you do on Saturday and carry us with you right there in your pocket. There you go. Hang yeah. out with the money doctors. That's right. Hang out with the money doctors in the morning. All right. And, uh, do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there and, um, ask us any questions you have we would love to hear from you you can also reach us by email directly at info at money well john i think we have an awesome show lineup for the day as usual we, we do yeah we're going to start off with uh uh vacation homes um you know is that a smart investment or a dumb investment
2: yeah a, a lot of people ha- have them
1: they do. And you know, I mean it's summertime. Everybody's getting back from vacation. They had an awesome vacation, hopefully, we did. And um you know, you get back and you're like, Wow, you know, I could I could buy one of those homes down there at Hilton Head or wherever yeah. you went and um buy one of those cruise ships. you know, <laughs> Yeah. Right. You know, that'd be a little tough there, John. You could buy a big yacht. I mean, <laughs> yeah. same type thing. And, uh, you know, you might think that'd be a great investment and a great way to to, to also be able to use your investment, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you wanted to. And um, so we're going to dig in that a little bit. There's a good article here. It points out a lot of things that people normally don't think about.
2: Yeah. And then the second uh, topic we're going to talk about is when you get a windfall, um, what do you do? Do you go out and buy a vacation home? No. <laughs> probably no, probably not. Probably not. I actually met. Hope with, not. I met with um, uh, a couple this last week, and they were uh, gifted um, a million dollars by their mom. Whoa! And so that's quite a gift. It is. It is. And um, so, trying to figure out what to do with it, and kind of sitting down and doing some planning. So this will be, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen, if you have, uh, if you can sit down and kind of think about it and, and pray about it to figure out what the right direction is. Um, you can make some smart decisions with it. So. And that's the key. you got a plan. You do. You do. Yeah. Don't just go out and buy a vacation Yeah,
1: home. yeah right. Talk to your advisors. <coughs> so that's a great topic. All right, and then we're going to finish it up here with a topic about um, really kind of a current topic about home construction.
3: Yeah. It looks like yeah. it's up a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's double-digit yeah. up. I like it. That's great. It's
3: quite awesome. an increase since uh,
2: since last November, but we'll we'll get into that um third topic yeah it's going to be good some positive news um yeah you know there's some talk positive about, things coming out of the economy at this point and talk
1: about kind of what that means
2: the yeah. overall economy. there's some yeah. negative things <laughs> overseas as well that kind of balancing it out but uh, <laughs> it's good true. Good stuff
1: true yeah like our financial factor of the week here well actually that's not a negative it's yeah. a positive it's um yeah so we don't that, that's
2: what we're up to we Go don't ahead. like to say we told you so do we we, no, don't, we don't ever no. say that.
1: <clears throat> yeah, we don't ever say that. Yeah, things I'm, do recover.
2: Though. I mean, go back to, to 2011, um, Steve, and the Italian bond market, and quite frankly, a lot of the bond markets overseas in Greece and, and Italy and so forth, um, we're not doing well. And what happens is the yields rise because right. they get more risky. Well, back in 2011, the um, the yields on the 10-year note uh, was about 7%, and as of this last week, it was about 2.5%, which means wow. the risk um, had changed significantly. And, you know, when we were going through that time, I was thinking back in, in August of 2011 is when when the debt was downgraded in the U.S., Right. You remember that? And that, the, right. the markets were off like 20% in the third quarter. Oh, yeah. And I go back and I, I talk with clients about, you know, this was a very tough time, but if you, if you hung on and did some rebalancing and maybe mm-hmm. added some money to it, it's turned out to be pretty, pretty good. And that was a pretty good time to be buying. And that at was a time. great opportunity to be buying. <laughs> we don't try to predict the future and, you know, past doesn't predict the future and all that stuff, but... These things tend to work themselves out. They have historically.
1: They do. They do. And Europe, you know, hasn't recovered like the U.S. has economically, but people's appetite for risk has increased. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these yields have dropped, and rightfully so. I mean, it's interesting. I was It, it was in Italy here recently, <laughs> as you know. and uh, Hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out, right. Um, no, visiting, vacation. <clears throat> and um, one of our stops was Italy, and, and it was pretty amazing because – my impression is they're still in really tough times, mm-hmm. you know economically, I mean we can be thankful you know that we 're in the u s and and we have uh you know a more capitalistic system yeah. that rebounds quickly um because those folks you know in Naples beautiful town, beautiful city, some awesome uh sites and buildings, but yet you know it looked like Detroit and in, in the sense that it was just trash everywhere and graffiti everywhere. And it uh, just looked like they were on the brink of, yeah, you know, some, some pretty tough times.
2: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. think that. You hear about Rome and, and all the pretty places over there. But, uh, right. you know, it, some economies are still struggling. Greece is obviously one of them.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of them over there in Europe. But having said that, I mean, markets... Markets adjust very quickly, right? And so, uh, you know, European stocks have done pretty well since the the Great Recession mm-hmm. in coming back. They haven't come back as strong as the U.S., but still, they're, they've uh, come back. They have come back, and you know, they're they're still pretty good value when you look at the valuations. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, that leads up to our first topic here, and that is vacation home. You just got back from your great vacation. And so now you start thinking while you were there you know is it time to buy one of these Pull vacation properties the what are you going to do Yeah what are you going to do is this a s- smart move or a dumb move to buy a vacation home as an investment It's an article out of um, Bloomberg and um just recently here And yeah I mean summer what a great time to relax kick back and make stupid financial decisions. <laughs> I mean, whether it's buying a new RV, John, you've done that before, right? Or, yes. Or trying to time the stock market. Summer can be I a time. Done that. No, right. Summer can be a time when people get a little too much time on their hands or maybe sun on the brain and they, they let it affect their financial future. So, uh, no, we're not talking about buying a $30,000 timeshare property. That's another whole boneheaded topic. That we have talked about before, but hey, you know, we're talking about buying a new vacation home as your next investment property. Um, and I know most people they dream about buying that beach house, you know, with the surf on one side and the golf course on the other. At least that's my picture of a I was vacation say, it house.
3: Sounds
1: like he's been dreaming a little bit. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I love that idea, but you know, or maybe a cabin an exclusive lake resort in the mountains. I mean, a lot of people love the mountains. Um, And it's an intoxicating appeal that that makes even the shrewdest investors tilt those numbers a little bit in their favor, you know, Mm -hmm. to make it work out financially. But if you step back and you take a realistic look at the picture... Usually, even a fifth grader can see that the picture spells stupid. <laughs>
2: Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, that's how financial advisors see it anyway, right? That's that's kind of that's what we right. look at when exactly. they you know tell the tell the the clients that get a hankering for the summer house or the the cabin um, after returning from this vacation. And you know, we see it in the stats: sales of vacation homes in the U.S. rose about thirty percent last year. Wow, to almost seven hundred thousand units. That's a lot. And that's a, according to the uh, National Association of Realtor and um but you know owning a second home is far more expensive than you can imagine and a lot of times it's stressful too. people you can't it's hard to gauge the stress piece of it but um i've talked with people that yeah have bought the homes and then they they end up selling it a couple of years later because it just didn't work out so it's a lot to manage it a lot is to take
1: care it's of costly. and you know and then there's all these expenses i mean yeah if you if you start with the the dark side of the beautiful sunny weather um you know sun salt and wind are cruel to houses as they mention here one owner in virginia beach was shocked to learn that he'd need new windows every six years ouch ouch every six years that's hard to believe and that's brutal yeah i mean that alone wiped out the entire summer of rental income (laughs) um according to his advisor storms take out roofs docks seawalls um, they're replaceable only at exorbitant prices. I mean, these properties are for family memories, not a serious investment. Yeah, I think that's the key Zim
2: there. Fizer. You got to go into that. it with the right frame of mind. Absolutely,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah, and then there are there are also utilities, association fees, lots of taxes. You know, all often very high in these resort areas. In fact, they mentioned here in South Carolina. Um, beach, town, property taxes can be almost twice as much for non-residents as they are for residents. So if you have a vacation property, you don't live there, you might pay double in taxes. And then the state you know, slaps their 7% sales tax on short-term rentals as well. So that's a lot to think about mm-hmm. when you're talking about vacation
2: homes. Yeah, it's not not just simple. I mean, it's um, it's, it's costly. There's a lot of hidden costs, too. I think the um, down at the beach, I mean, the insurance for, for hurricanes, I mean, I'm sure it's is just is incredible.
1: It so. really is. Yeah, my mom and her siblings have a beach house, mm-hmm. and
2: it's brutal. Some of the costs and the property taxes are just That's unbelievable. That's the best kind of vacation home, right? Someone else? Owns it
1: is. It. That's <laughs> the one to, to, to have, you know, somebody else in the family paying for. But, uh, okay, we'll continue the discussion when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back with these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis and uh, Gordon Leopard. And uh John's a Dave Ramsey, preferred local provider, and we are continuing our discussion here before the break about vacation home as an investment or you know, yeah.
2: a dumb move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smart I mean, or dumb. It's, it's very there's a lot of hidden cost in it. It's that's very emotional the, when you buy it.
1: That's the thing. I mean, people don't really look at you know they don't look at it realistically. I mean, it has a it's for tremendous appeal. Um And, and so, it, it you know, a lot of people want to get into it, want to buy a vacation home, and they think of it as an investment. They look at the numbers, try to justify it, and they don't think about all the details of what it takes to maintain and, and run an investment property mm-hmm. like that. And, um you know, if you look at the numbers realistically, usually it doesn't pan out
2: yeah, the way you thought. We've talked about real estate before. It's an active investment, right? I mean, you exactly. have to actively be involved in it with repairs and, you know understanding what the insurances are paying bills so it um as we see here in this article it it, it it's very expensive
3: you know um uh, i have a cousin that has a place um beach house and one thing that they, yeah. they said is that if you can't carry it on your
2: own mm-hmm.
3: you know and you're having to totally rely on a big portion of that being rental then yeah
2: you know you should yeah, yeah it may not it. work yeah that's right
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, my my mom and her siblings have a beach house that they inherited from my grandmother. And, you know, it's totally paid for. But yet the rent from the summer doesn't even cover the cost of property taxes, insurance, uh, repairs, and Mm -hmm. everything else. They still, I mean, they end up about breaking even. Yeah. That's with no mortgage. Yeah. I mean, that's paid for. So Mm. it's hard to believe, but they can rent it all summer and... Just barely pay all the stuff that hmm. you have to pay, so it 's an incredible expense, and people don 't really think about that um very hard to make money on that you know unless you just get lucky and you get an area that really takes off and anybody can look at properties from back in the sixties and you know vacation homes, the beach, and that kind of stuff, and say, "Oh wow, I mean, if you would have bought it back then, you could have gotten it for a song, and you know it's appreciated a you know an incredible number." At this point, but that's because the demographics change, mm-hmm. right? People started buying vacation homes, But if you buy them now at today's dollars, unless you get lucky and you buy something that, that, that really develops like that, then, you know, chances are it's not going to be that kind of investment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they talk about in this article here at a Bloomberg, again, I mean, the cost of upkeeping can squash the romantic notions of leaving uh, the home to kids and grandkids. I mean, clients of this advisor um, wanted to leave their cherished $750,000 getaway house in the Black Hills of South Dakota to their kids as a vacation home. Then there four adult children. Well, first of all, they loved the idea, of course. Yeah, I mean, right. they thought, oh, that's wonderful, Free Mom. Free home, right? Thank there you. you. That's awesome.
3: Until they got the bill. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's then, right.
1: then they learned it was going to cost $48,000 a year to maintain it. That was $1,000 per month each.
2: Yeah. Just to keep it up. I'm trying to figure out what that what that cost would be. I mean, oh, it's I not mean, like you have flood insurance or hurricane. Well, I'm I was, sure. I was going to say, I mean. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. Black Maybe Hills, snow South Dakota. I'm sure it had to in- have insurance. You know, insurance alone yeah. on a house. That's, Forty-eight thousand. Well,
2: I don't know. It's just a big number. It's a big number, so, but
1: you know, I mean, I, you know, most most rental places have yeah. a lot of upkeep. Yeah, yeah. Well, suddenly the house wasn't so beloved. Uh, you know, I mean, the idea was abandoned. Yeah, was the bottom line.
2: Yeah, and th- this uh, advisor had some other clients that paid thirty five thousand dollars a year in upkeep and interest on a house. They only used two weeks a year, and they used it for family reunions for Christmas and Fourth of July. And um, so he was went on to say that the clients were already overspending their budget by forty thousand a year, and they really could have used this thirty five thousand that they were putting to this you know this investment property towards their own home budget to get that whole and he said after five years, they basically just sold it. They couldn't keep up with the um, the cost associated with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they said, you know, they've done this long enough to know that whatever expenses seems uh, to be uh, the most obvious um, is to eliminate the, the last expense you want to drop. Uh, somehow I missed the point of that that sentence. Yeah. Anyway, you know, the point is, I mean, it's it's very, very expensive to keep up, you know, vacation properties, and you have to factor all that in. Um, yeah, I had a client that blew his entire 401K. It was like $250,000 on, on renovating his lake house, and then he ended up selling it, you mm-hmm. know, because they needed the money out of it, and he never <coughs> recovered that 250000 yeah. they put into it. And oftentimes keeping up those type properties doesn't, you don't get the money back when you sell it. I mean, you know, it's hard to recover your cost of upgrades. So covering the cost by renting a place out is rarely the answer. I mean, the, the rents quoted by real estate agents in resort towns are often misleading, omitting um, you know that a, a rental agent can take 25 to 40% of the weekly haul. Um, one woman, against the advice of her wealth planner, spent uh, way more money than she expected rebuilding her New Jersey beach house after Hurricane Sandy. And when that was done, she discovered that she'd be losing money by renting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she ate into her retirement savings, so instead she sold it, you know. So renting also means letting strangers into your dream house where they may enrage you in in new and interesting ways. (laughs) Um, One owner was so disturbed by the high uh, uh, utility bills that he installed a remote thermostat only to discover that the renters were setting the air condition at 66. That sounds like what you do, John.
2: <laughs> it's not that low. <laughs> hey,
1: it's pretty cold. 66. <laughs> and they probably left the windows open, too, they were yeah. saying. I mean, you know, it's just crazy, some of the things they do.
2: Yeah, and then there's another example here of a... <laughs> A client that was fixing up their house and the toilets weren't working, so they actually had to go outside. And <laughs> they have some mention of poison ivy issue here. So
3: I don't know. <laughs> Got sued. The bottom line is, is ivy. when you
2: buy a house, there's going to be things to fix. There's maintenance associated with it. So, and sometimes you can't tell what it's going to be. And it's expensive.
1: Plus renters, I mean renters do do all sorts of crazy things. They will mm-hmm. take uh, this beach house my mom has um, that she's her and her siblings. I swear, they will take anything that's not nailed down, John. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it's in there and it is, you know, sitting around, yeah. and it's, you know, I mean, a lamp they like, it'll it's be cold. gone. <laughs> it will be gone. Uh, so you have to put just junk in there that, you know, people wouldn't take. Um, it's amazing. You know, the TV, the remote will be gone. You'd be like, what happened to the remote? It's gone. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody remote. just, like, packs it Sounds up. Sounds
3: like an, an extra expense that we're going to have to start adding to this is background checks. Yeah, and it's about yeah. true.
1: I you mean, know. I'm not kidding. It's you know, amazing. I mean, it's they will take everything. Um, so, yeah, if it's if it's it's all good, I mean, if the money won't be missed, you know, but if you add up all the expenses from your first home and all the possible expenses for your second home, here's kind of the rule of thumb they give here. If the total is 30 percent or less of your income, it's probably an affordable indulgence. But remember, it's an indulgence. You know, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's a investment. They didn't say it's a good investment. You know, probably not. You know, even um, financial planners buy vacation homes. This guy in Orange County, California, long dreamed of of owning an apartment in his boyhood home of Buenos Aires. Interesting place to grow up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he bought one. And in the past year, he spent $110,000 renovating it and $50,000 furnishing it. Yeah. For an apartment. Yeah. Ouch. Adds up. Sure
2: does. Yeah, and, you know, the second home, it it kind of fulfills a dream, gives you bragging rights. But, you know, if you don't have the money, then you shouldn't do it. I mean, and and, and like you said earlier, trying to justify it on um, rental income, that's not a a good solution either. That's
1: it. Yeah, I mean, as you know, vacation properties typically are more expensive than they should be based on the income they generate. They're just not a great investment in our humble opinion, so... Kind of the end of the story there.
2: So money doctors squash that, right?
1: That's it. Not a brilliant financial move. Okay. Well, that leads us up here to our uh, question of the week.
2: Yeah, this question has to do with uh, a reverse mortgage. And we talk about this periodically on the show. Um, I talk with clients occasionally. i never, never seen a client use one of these, but you certainly see ads all the time. Um, you know, some pretty prominent actors that are pushing reverse mortgages and, you know, touting the benefits of it. And in and, and our It should be a last resort. Um, Yeah, you know, you have to be over sixty-two. You have to basically have the house paid off, but you're basically spending down any equity that you have in it, and uh, it's very, very expensive. uh, Has a lot of cost in there. You actually have to go through uh, a training class, if you will, to understand what those costs are, because they can be three to five to seven percent of the total, and um, it's not a it's not a great financial move. Yeah, in fact,
1: I just talked to a client this past week about that, and um, he had taken out a reverse mortgage about five or six years ago, and unfortunately, now he's learned that he can't he can't move. You know, it's limited his choices. He has to stay in the house basically until he dies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he can't he can't sell his house and move to an assisted living type place or some other place because. You know, uh, the reverse mortgage, you have to stay in it.
2: Yeah, it's limited as so options.
1: It's limited as hmm. options. So there's a lot of things to think about in a reverse mortgage, not not your first choice you'd want to make. No, definitely not. So, Okay, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. And Gina News, stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbot, a certified financial planner, Now I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who's an advisor in our office as well. And we are leading off our second segment here with a new topic, um... When a windfall comes your way, you know, when you inherit the big dollars, um, what do you do with that big money? We
2: know we know what not to do, right? We do know some of the things don't not to do. Don't buy, buy a
1: vacation home, <laughs> 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 right? Or if you do, don't it. do
2: it for you know as an investment. I mean, right, you know, right, there's, right. There's certain reasons that uh, sure people yeah. justify it, but. You know, it, it actually, I mean, you know, kind of going through this, I think we've heard of stories of people winning the lottery and then yep. it being the worst thing to happen to them ever. We've you know, heard, everybody's heard of people uh, going through bankruptcy and um, dying a couple of years later. And so, um, you know, it, it's it, money doesn't solve problems. Is what it boils down to.
1: And it doesn't make you smart either.
2: No, it doesn't. A lot of times it makes <laughs> you exactly the opposite. So
1: it, it just shows how dumb you are sometimes. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, you know, getting rich quick, it can be liberating, uh, but it can also be frustrating. Sudden wealth can help you resolve anxieties about funding your retirement you know maybe uh funding uh kids uh college educations and you do have a newfound financial freedom um that can lead to time freedom but you know greater opportunity um to live and work on your terms but that can sometimes come at a cost i mean we see bad decisions that are made associated with this
1: yeah and i get the sense in this article they're talking about you know a pretty big sum of money you know something that's kind of a life-changing mm-hmm. event and um so you know, on the other hand, when you if you do have a windfall like this, you'll pay more in taxes, you attract more attention, um, maybe even contend with jealousy or envy from certain friends and relatives. You may deal with grief or stress as a lump sum, um, maybe linked to a death or the divorce or uh, you know a pension payout decision. Um, it's probably an inheritance, you know, most yeah,
2: usually. We typically work with folks that have inherited yeah. money. Um worked with a couple that have sold businesses. Sold that a get, big business, family you know, business. A couple million dollars, which sure. isn't um you know, isn't a fifty million dollar lump sum, but yeah, you know, a couple million dollars certainly changes, changes the direction. Your life it does n- and for most people. Yeah, it does, and if you use that wisely, you can change your your family tree, as Dave Ramsey would say. So, right. you know, windfalls don't always lead to happy endings. Though, take the example of this one gentleman they they talk about in this um, in this article from Marketing Pro. It's uh, the gentleman's name was Bud Post. I don't know if they made that up or not. But <laughs> Bud <laughs> Post, an and, interesting uh, name. He That's won more person. than what's that? I said, it sounds like
3: they are protecting the Chiefs Yeah, maybe
2: so. Or, maybe or so. Guilty. But he won the uh, the Pennsylvania lottery back in 1988, wow. and he won $16 million. Well, I mean, can that you imagine? Ought
1: cha- that ought to change your life.
2: Yeah, it did for him, unfortunately. 18 years later, um, he passed away owing more than a million dollars after business failures and bad investments. And, you know, along the way, his girlfriend successfully sued him out of some of the money, and his. His brother hired a hitman to try to take him out. Oh my <laughs> so, goodness! You know, family was trying to get some of it, and uh, you know, his his brother was trying to inherit some of the assets. And you know, that's weird and 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 tragic. Example aside, windfalls don't necessarily breed old money either. Without long range vision, um, one generation's wealth may not transfer to the next. And you know, as the Wall Street Journal mentions, on average, seventy percent of wealth built by one generation is lost by the next. And think about that. That's right. You know, you have so you have parents that have worked hard. You know, maybe had a business. The next generation, they don't have the same you know gumption and, and knowledge, and they, they lose it.
1: That's why I'm spending all mine, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: gonna be gone. But aren't there some steps? Aren't there some things that some parents uh, that that may not have come from money? Yeah, you know, can sure. take strides to really start teaching and working with their kids hopefully to well, to install it's
2: those. interesting you say that I listen to Dave Ramsey a lot and um, he's obviously very very wealthy um, I've heard estimates in the 50 to 100 million dollar I mean who knows what it is it's mm-hmm. a lot and he's trying to teach his kids right. how to do that so he's involved them in the business um, and he wants to he's Studied some other families that have tremendous wealth, and how do you make sure this doesn't happen? So I don't think there's a an easy way to do it. I mean, the stats say seventy percent's lost in by one generation, two generations later, an average of ninety percent of it disappears. So, so it's gone. You know,
3: he just put out a, a good book too. He, yes. he and his uh, daughter Rachel, yeah. called Smart Money, Smart Kids. Uh, yeah, and so you know, little things like that, and then you know, working with financial advisors to,
2: yeah. That's, and that's one of the things, you know, what are some of the things you can do if you receive a windfall? And it doesn't have to be a, a $16 million lottery. It can be it can be a half a million dollars. It can be 200000 That can change your sure. situation as well. So, first of all, you know, if it's a large sum, keep quiet if you can. If you aren't in the spotlight, don't step into it. Um, who really needs to know about this newfound wealth besides you and your immediate family? And, and of course, IRS is going to know about it, right? So you're going to have to make sure taxes are paid. Um, But, you know, also financial professionals, maybe you would consult or hire uh, an attorney, maybe on that list, but not much longer. So keep quiet if you can, if you do have, you know, a large sum of money come in.
1: Yeah, another thing you can do, well, another thing to consider is, you know, if you can't keep quiet, um, you can kind of prepare for that, right? If winning a lottery prize, um, selling your company, signing a multi-year deal, you know, when your wealth kind of is publicized, you have to expect friends and strangers are going to come knocking at your door. Sure, right? I mean, so you got to some of the things they mention here. You got to be firm. You got to be fair. You got to be friendly, but avoid handling those requests yourself. Have somebody else, you know, handle mm-hmm. those requests. And, um, you know, first, I mean, a generous handout may risk opening the door, the floodgate, uh, to subsequent handouts. So, you know, let your financial team um, review those appeals for loans, business proposals, pipe dreams. I mean, don't. I would say just don't give out your money, Yeah, um, you know, to family or friends for a long while. Be be very, very careful yeah. about how you do that.
2: And we it goes on to say in here, yeah, have a team, um, CPA, attorney, wealth manager. I know um, I had a client who sold a business and got a million dollars and sat down with them and kind of determined what their priorities were. We immediately paid off their house, set some money aside for their college education, and put the rest of it in retirement. So their cash flow now is tremendous um based on having basically no debt and their retirement's in a good sit- situation as well so you can you can make the right decisions but you have to surround your yourself with people who can help you think through and uh, figure out what it's going to look like for you you know going forward so you know many people celebrate their good fortune when they receive sudden wealth and and they live in the moment um only to wonder years later, where did it go? So that's where the planning kind of comes in. And, you know, in the immediate future, an infusion of wealth may give you some, some tax dilemmas. Uh, it may also require you to uh, reconsider, you know, existing beneficiary designations, uh, retirement plans, investment accounts, insurance policies. Maybe you need a trust. Um, you need to look at your estate plan. So, you know, resist the det- the temptation to try and grow the newly acquired wealth quickly, through invest and uh, you know aggressive investing, so yes, kind of step back from the situation, do some planning, sit down with some people that have some different thoughts and expertise, and and uh, figure out what's going to be the right right step for you.
1: Yeah, and there are also a lot of questions you need to ask yourself <clears throat> after some kind of life changing event like this. Um, you know, for instance, what does that mean for the next few years? You know, what does financial independence or greater financial freedom mean for you? Um, how do you want to spend your time? You know, should you continue in your present career? I would say yes, usually. Yeah. Um, you know, should you stick with your, your business or, or sell or transfer ownership? I certainly wouldn't do that anytime soon. Um, you know, what what kinds of near term possibilities does this open up for you? What are the are the concrete financial steps that could help you uh defer or reduce taxes in the next few years? Mm-hmm. How you know, how can risk be sensibly managed or some of all the assets be invested sure So there's a lot of questions you have to think about
2: yeah we talked about this a little bit as well think about doing nothing for a while dave ramsey recommends waiting three to six months before you do anything with when you inherit money or you have a kind of a windfall and you know the last kind of point here is um don't change yourself remain true to your morals your ethics your beliefs and that'll help you stay grounded and uh, again, we we believe in turning to professionals who know how to uh, you know help you kind of navigate, you know, the challenges that you'll have from taxes to uh, to planning and so forth. So, um, again, good article. Just don't buy an investment home.
1: Yeah, no, definitely don't. <laughs> it buy It could be an on the home.
2: list if you have enough, but just just do some planning.
1: In general, you got to do some planning, and I would say don't don't let it change your life dramatically or fast. Right. You know, I mean, just. Just be very methodical. Keep your job. Keep your business. K- do what you normally do. Don't go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff. Invest the money. Think, you know, methodically over time about what you should do. And, you know, start, you know, doing those things very slowly over mm-hmm. a lot of years, not over months. That's right. You know? Um so I mean it'd be a great it, thing and it, it can affect your, your future very it, positively if you if you're sure. Purposeful It'd probably
2: it. be okay to take a golf vacation, maybe. Of
1: course. It's always okay to take a golf <laughs>
2: vacation, John, even if you... <laughs> well, you got to have the money in the bank, well, but... Well, you do need <laughs> you to, get do a to pay fall. for it,
1: but, yeah, go, I mean, go take up a, you can celebrate a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, go play Pebble Beach, man. You know, <laughs> Spyglass glass, too, while you're there. <laughs> All right, well, um, that pretty much leads us up to our break here, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor in our office at Richard Young Associates. And we are uh, going to start off our last segment here with the prescription of the week.
2: Yeah, the, yeah, the average um, student loan debt is about $30,000 when someone graduates from college today. Yep. <clears throat> um, two stories I wanted to share. I met with a, uh, a client um, a couple weeks ago. They have five kids, and uh, she stays at home. They uh, homeschool. And I uh, don't have any college savings, which I understand kind of right, where they are. Right. So, you know, retirement is ahead of college. You can you can get loans for college. You can't get loans for that, retirement. That's so, right. And it's too
1: late once you're in. You can recover from loans for college. You cannot you can. recover that's in right. retirement.
2: That's right. And so some of the things that, that you can do is go locally. So this is how we kind, of, we kind yeah. of coach them a little bit. Go locally, try to get scholarships. Kids can work during that time. Sure. You, you know, you can almost go for free um, if you have reasonable grades. At at Augusta State or or Aiken Tech, some base base and then you classes. you can work
1: and and you can you know, the summers and you can build up some
2: money to sure. to kind of afford. Yep. you know going away last couple yep. years maybe. U.S.C. Aiken's another great option, and you know I, the second story is I, I met with another um, couple more on a counseling session. Thinking about bankruptcy, they're in their sixties and they still have student loan debt. My goodness. Wow. I, I could not believe it. And and it's been around for, you know, twenty or thirty years. Um, and they you, went to school. Ba- late, bankruptcy does not erase it student doesn't. loan debt. It doesn't. And we had that conversation. But um, you know, if you if you if you get debt and it's hard to get rid of once you get out and start working. I mean you start having kids and other commitments and so forth. So, you know, I know Dave Ramsey and, and Rachel Cruz Ramsey are big proponents of having no debt coming out.
3: Yeah. You know, I, I had an encouraging encounter uh, with a young lady that's uh, working her way through school mm-hmm. right now. She had worked with us uh, on some projects uh, before, and we got into that same discussion. You know, and she's just taking, she's taking a couple of classes at a time uh, when she can, and she's paying for, Good. for you know, she's with cash cash. it. Good. Cash flowing Good. That's you know, perfect. That's she, a great she's way to working do it. really hard to do that, and she's taking her time. But you know, I told her, I said, "This, this will be a great investment for you because you'll come out the other end, and yeah. you won't have that financial pressure." Yeah, you know, that's a great way to do it. Talking about so.
2: just go slow. I mean, it's it's better to to go yeah. slow with it than come out with thirty, forty, sixty thousand dollars of debt.
1: It is, and now with online classes, you know, you can take a lot of classes a night. You can do it, you know, at different times, mm-hmm. and so you can work a job and. uh you know, uh, to go to school, spread it out a couple years if you have to. But, um, yeah, I'm a big proponent of coming out with no debt or very low debt. I mean, when I went to college, <clears throat> I paid my entire college um, by saving my money. You mm-hmm. know, we had, I was blessed to have some great summer jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, this was back before the... You know, life scholarship and hope scholarship and all these different forms of, of, of money. That's
2: before the internet, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, unfortunately, John, it was. You're exactly <laughs> right. You're looking at my gray hair, right? Um, <clears throat> but, you know, so it may not be possible to do that today to, to work a summer job and earn sure. enough money to do that, but having said that, if you go locally, like you said, you can save a ton of money if you're living at home. You can you can work during the summer, save money up to be able to to use, and you might earn, you know, uh, three, four, five thousand dollars a summer, mm-hmm. right? That you can save up and apply that toward uh, the school years. And if you do that for, say, you know, two or three years, you probably could pay the last year if yep. you're getting life scholarship. That's right. You know, away at Carolina, and Clemson, some <clears throat> public university. Um, so, uh, Clemson, of course, not, not Carolina. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did I even say that? Yeah. But I mean, you can go to USC Aiken, you can go to, you know, um, DRU, Augusta state State right here locally. Great, great colleges. You can get the four year degree here Mm -hmm. and then maybe do some graduate work somewhere. Um, so you don't even have to go away. I mean, you can get a good college degree locally and come out with zero debt. So that's what the money doctors recommend. That's what we recommend. No doubt. I think that's the way to go. All right, good uh, good prescription of the week. And that leads us up here to our last topic, and that is U.S. home construction jumps 15.7% in July. Wow. Article just out this week. Um, you know, that's a huge jump in July. That's some positive, positive news, isn't it? <clears throat> you
3: know, according to this report, it says that uh, that's the fastest pace uh, and the largest increase and uh, over eight months since last November, that's nice. Uh, so you know, after two months of decline, that that was that was nice to see in our economy here. Mm-hmm. You know, according to a, a report uh, just this past Tuesday by the Commerce of, um, excuse me, by, yeah, by the Commerce Department, um, it said that you know obviously we had um, increased fifteen point seven percent in July uh, at a rate of one point zero nine million homes. So that was you know quite an increase uh from four percent and seven uh four percent in may
1: declines yeah yeah de- yeah. I mean, de- j- de- yeah june and may were down so uh we needed to see a big jump and mm-hmm. which fortunately we did and um and i think that just shows us the housing market is improving albeit steady yeah. it's having some setbacks but um you know and that's driving it's, the economy Yeah, you
2: know, we see jobs increasing a little bit um it's been very slow but you know employers are hiring more people so that's That's positive as well
1: that's right And application for building permits are up as well you know that's a good sign of future activity um but in july that was up eight point one percent um so that's a huge increase after they both declined in may and june Mm -hmm. you know so they made up for the drops in may and june and you know that's that's a good sign for the future yep
2: yeah, and, you know, the strength in, in uh, July was led by a uh, increase in the northeast, a 44% increase. The south was also very, very strong, uh, up 29%. And they're saying that, um, you know, probably due to heavy rains and weather events and so forth. But sure. um, northeast and, and the south have uh, kind of led the recovery, so
3: it's yeah, good. You know, and that was one th- other thing that I was thinking about whenever it was talking about the differences between uh, the May numbers and the June numbers and the july numbers mm-hmm. you know when, when we have torrential rains or serious weather that's going to set things back sure. yeah. uh, quite a ways but uh, according to a, a report also on monday indicated that home builders are feeling much more confident about their sales prospects so they're you know they're looking forward um and you know that th- they're seeing hopefully a bright future that, that more people are going to be buying new homes so um
2: that's good Yes. You
3: know those are those are positive uh, signs that, that they're also recognizing with Wells Fargo uh, some of some of the reports that that they're putting out that it was up two fifty five um, on their index, the
1: they, sentiment they, index. They yeah.
3: Rate things. Um, so, and that's the highest reading that they've had since January.
2: Yeah, and that's a third straight month. So that's a positive positive trend. Yeah, so, you know, people are feeling
1: better about the economy, no doubt about it. The builders are as well. The builders have this, uh, uh, you know, kind of a builder's view index, I guess, um, of current sales conditions for, for, for homes and, you know, kind of how they see the future and their outlook for sales over the next six months um is also up They're they're saying they see more more prospective buyers more traffic it's all increased in august um so that looks you know getting brighter for home building in that regard
2: yeah and it's interesting though it says sales of new homes are running behind last year's pace and um, they're saying you know home prices have rebounded which has been been positive in most places Um, mortgage rates have ticked up a little bit there's also some uh, weak wage growth, um, making it more difficult for some potential buyers to buy these newly built homes, and um, so the first-time buyers have been depressed a little bit. But the home builders are still building, so it sounds like you know they're they're building, forecasting increased growth in the future. There's probably going to be some increases in inventory. Yeah, they're still looking think. for the rebound.
3: <clears throat> yeah, you know they're still looking for a rebound, even though that we've had you know an increase in jobs. Uh, over the last six months uh, up through july but you know economists they're they're still looking for that uh i guess that home run something that's really going to kind of get us over the hump
1: yeah right and i mean we have um you know there's gains in in jobs as well for six months straight through Mm -hmm. july i think that's adding to the kind of the rebound we're seeing in housing um I mean in general, I mean housing is a huge part of the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a third. If you add up housing and all the different components of the consumer price index that's related to housing, it makes up like a third of our GDP.
2: Yeah, um, it it goes on in here and it says that each home built creates an average of three jobs a year. I mean that's a that's a lot. And and, and that doesn't just that change
3: is. overnight either. Yeah. You know, this is talking about how it's taken several years to kind of recorrect and uh readjust itself. So that you know, it's a slow process sometimes.
2: Now is this a reason to go out and buy? home
1: building stocks now oh yeah yeah i think i think you ought to speculate on houses john <laughs> yeah. just go out and buy a spec house yeah, flip them right investment yeah, flip houses. Them. i oh, think it's time to start flipping yeah. again sure yeah, why not it sounds
2: like 2007 you know <laughs> no. no we don't ever you know you, we no. look at this with a grain of sand i mean there's always going to be there's positive data coming out there's some negative data coming out um from an investing standpoint we don't try to predict the future and which segments are going to do the best we diversify and do some rebalancing and so forth because you just don't know what's going to be the the next winter. so diversification is a good way to go but i think it's a reason to be very optimistic
1: about the economy that mm-hmm. it is moving forward it is recovering home home building and everything related to that is a huge part of our economy and you know and it's driving some growth so you know we can be cautiously optimistic that we're going to continue to see growth, and we're not like slipping back into recession or yeah. anything like that. And right.
3: I, I sat in a meeting yesterday that uh, has a lot of positive outlook for our particular area as well. Yeah, the CSRA. You know, good. So we could see some good things happening over the next five years.
1: All right. Well, a great topic, and um, good thing to close on here. Um, so this has been this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve and Gordon. And tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info uh, at MoneyMD.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.
0: Have a good one.